And we've got a great show for you. We've got uh, Vogueville, Vogueville Presents, which is a webisode series for local artists. We've also got Seeds of the Inner City coming to Vancouver Latin American Film Festival. And we've got lots of fringe talks, so stay with us. Welcome to the Arts Report for uh, August 31st. My name is Adam Janusz, and you're listening to us on CITR 101.9 FM. And um, I'm very excited to uh, to be back on the air. Um, so excited, uh, in fact, that I didn't know when to come in. We, we have a new theme song because this is technically our season premiere for the 2011-2012 season. Um, and so that's really exciting. Um, I'm also so excited that I, I can't... I can't figure out where this music is coming from in, in the background. Frank, ha- help me out here. Uh, I don't see any other pages open, and yet I hear rock music. Oh. Ah, there it no, is. It's coming into headphones, but not over the air. Ah, there we go. All right, that's better. Maybe, maybe nobody heard that except nobody me. That. This, is, you know, this is my life. I hear all these voices in my head, but nobody else does. Um, hi. Welcome, welcome to the Arts Report. It is August 31st. And uh, you, you got to hear our new uh, theme song, which is extremely exciting. That's by the uh, Acapella Club here at UBC. And uh, they'll be on the show next week to promote uh, their, fine, their fine work. They really do do an awesome job. They, they took the theme song um, that we usually do on the Arts Report, um, and they basically re, redid it. Like, they... they Tore it apart and and gave you know you know how a cappella works you need like a you need a soprano alto bass and a tenor is that how it works and so those guys they, they tore up this little theme song which didn't have any music and they they put it they they wrote down the music for all of these different parts and then got um, how many people I think it was six people to come in and rehearse this over and over and over and over again. And, uh, and they did it for us, and I think it sounds beautiful, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. But uh, we've got a show to do. So did I mention, yes, I did, that uh, the date, um, you know, uh, what else, the, that we're on CITR, I mentioned that. Um, I didn't mention the, my name. My name is Adam Janusz. Uh, let's see. Guy, you know, give me, give me a little break. I've been... I've been off basically for for two months uh, off the air, so so uh, you got to bear with me. Uh, I need to sort of mentally run through uh, what's what to do. Um, I have to give a huge thank you to the various the the two major fill in uh, hosts that I've had for the last couple of months, and that's Anna Garza, uh, Anna with one N, uh, that's her DJ name. Um, she's she filled in for me for the month of June by playing music, uh, local music. Uh, local sort of, you know, thematically related people who are doing shows in the city at, at uh, Vancouver's lovely venues. Um, people putting out CDs and stuff in the local scene. So still keeping it, still keeping it relevant and artsy, but uh, but not doing any arts interviews like we normally do. So thanks to Anna for holding it down, and thanks to Nick Sartori, who uh, filled in a couple of times in the month of August and uh, did a great job sort of keeping up with uh, the hectic um, format of the Arts Report because it's one of the only uh, interview shows, talk shows on CITR. So you can't rely on playing music. You have to talk a lot. So there's a lot of script writing. There's a lot of editing and all that kind of crazy stuff. And uh, Nick did an awesome job of um, filling filling uh, all those those roles while I was away. So thanks to Nick for that. Okay, but let's uh, let's let me tell you what's on the show today because we got a good one. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Vogueville Presents. So uh, Jonathan Fluvog uh, runs an, a really um, spectacular recording studio called Vogueville Recordings. And so he's got a really good insight into the local music scene. He knows what's hot. He knows what's good. He knows what's worth promoting. And uh, so he's using his um, musical uh, powers, his um, powers of... Um, 
what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the power to bring together things, uh, that power. He's using that to put together um, a webisode series, a web series online to promote some uh, worthy bands, uh, local, local rock bands that um, really deserve your attention. So we're going to find out what the first band that deserves your attention, what that band is, and we'll talk to that band, and that'll be very exciting. It's not a secret, it's the matinee, that's the name of the band, and so we'll talk to those guys. Um, what else do we have? We have Seeds of the Inner City. So the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival is starting up tomorrow. It's um, running until the 11th of September. Can you believe it's uh, September tomorrow already? Ugh, it's kind of depressing because we just got into summer. We just started having sunny days. So why why they gotta why why is the calendar gotta do this to this? Anyway, it's yeah, it's hard for me to deal with the fact that time flies. But uh, don't get me started on that. So, uh, Seas of the Inner City is a film that's coming on September the 4th to an event that uh, VLAF, if I can call it that, is doing on September 4th to celebrate Vancouver's 125th birthday. So, we'll talk to a filmmaker, Andres uh, Salas, who is bringing uh, a preview of his film, Seeds of the Inner City to that event on the 4th of September. So we'll talk to him. And then we'll also talk to Martin Dockery, who is a fringe artist extraordinaire. Um, Excuse me. He's bringing not just one, not just two, but three awesome plays to the Vancouver International Fringe Festival, which is starting September the 8th, which is next Thursday. That's taking over Granville Island until the 18th, and CITR is all over that. Uh, We've already started um, putting up uh, podcasts related to the Vancouver Fringe. I'll tell you more about that later, but uh, we'll have a lot more of those. And then next week, we're going to have a ton of Fringe interviews on the Arts Report to to get geared up and ready and excited. Uh, But anyway, we'll talk to Martin Dockery um, about the three shows that he has um, and we'll talk to him about what it's like to do that many shows at once. Um, it's got to be kind of crazy, no, to have um, three plays happening at the same time. Like, how do you even, like, does he have them all at the same venue, or does he have to, like, run as soon as he finishes one show? Does he have to go to another venue and and um, start another show and then do it again two hours later? I don't know. I think he's crazy, this man. Uh, but So we'll find out how that works. And at the very end of the show, we will... Uh, play uh, episode one of our podcast series uh, partnered with the Vancouver Fringe Festival. That's This Fringy Life. That's what it's called. We've got two episodes up on the web already, so we'll play one of those episodes. If you hadn't, if you haven't had a chance to hear that yet, it is awesome, and it's very new. It's a lot different than what we did last year. It's much more kind of um, polished. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. It's polished. Um, so that's going to be great. So without further ado, uh, I think we should get on with, uh, the show. And, uh, what do we have, uh, first up is Seas of the City. Um... Bear with me here. Okay. The Vancouver Latin American Film Festival is starting up tomorrow, running from September the 1st until the 11th. On September the 4th, there will be a Fiesta 125, or if you want to get really Spanish, Fiesta 125, a celebration of Latin American culture in Vancouver, featuring a preview of a feature feature length called Seeds of the City by Colombian native Andres Salas. We talked about focusing his lens on soul food, which is an urban agriculture initiative in the downtown east side. But we really got talking about how, from a Colombian perspective, seeing poverty on the streets of a glistening city like Vancouver was surprising to discover, but not necessarily disappointing. Totally. When, I don't know, when you come from a, a third world country, when you think about first world countries, uh, the general thing is is to imagine that there's no poor people here. Right. Um, whatever whatever poor means. Right. Um, let's talk about uh, economics. Like when you don't have money, or when you don't have a place to live. Whatever the reason is. Right. Because sometimes these people do that by choice because they want to live like this. Um, so. 
what what was really really interesting is the contrast. Um, I thought that Bogota was a city full of contrasts, not just in in landscape, but also in economics and in social issues. But when I came here, I realized, well, it is a really contrasted. Um, you know, you have um, this beautiful landscape of mountains and sea, and then you see you have this with you know really new buildings and at the same time old constructions. Anyways, at the same time also the, the city is not that old, but it's really full of contrast. And then you have the the social part. Um, here in downtown, you can see uh, these high-end uh, uh, condos and uh, kind of uh, and then you have uh, this part of downtown east side, which uh, is not that pretty and uh, where people are trying to, to, to live and make a living, wherever their activity is. Hmm. So I guess the contrast. Yeah. And uh, uh, the other day I was talking to somebody and I was telling, well, uh, I guess you cannot find a place in the earth that it is not going to be like that. I mean, um, for more, more, more you, you go to other countries and more you see other cities, there's not that perfect place, right? Yeah. And, so uh, do, you, do you see that as a, a sort of just a, a, part of, a part of life in general? Not, not so much as a judgment against Vancouver, maybe, but just a sort of recognition of the fact that, you know, you, you have many sides to every city. Actually, I look at it as a as beauty because and a, as a positive thing. Really? Because when you think, yeah, because when you think about a, if you think about a, a city without that kind of contrast, for me, it's boring. <laughs> you know, you need you need to 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 I don't know. It's interesting to have this, and that means that the city is alive and that there is things going on, and that not everybody is the same and not everybody is doing the same thing, but people is making choices in life and uh, everybody's just trying to live their lives the way they want. That's really interesting. So when you're in the downtown east side and you're documenting, you know, the, the people there and, and the buildings and what's going on in the alleys and all that kind of stuff, you see that not as, not as a detriment or not as like a negative, but something that adds sort of value or, or richness to the city. Yeah. Well, the thing is that there is opportunities there. There is opportunities um, for everybody to learn and to experience life in a different way. Um, I guess we couldn't say that there is that, that it is not that there is no negative things going on there, but for sure there is opportunities. I wouldn't like to say there is problems or mm -hmm. there, there is uh, you know a negative thing or a bad thing. I think there is. Um, there is a window for people to see where life could go if something, mm. you know, goes different in their lives. And uh, it is a window for people also to see, you know, that uh, there is a community uh, that is alive, that has its own identity, mm -hmm. that has its own codes, uh, that is there and that it is part of the city and... Uh, that shouldn't be trying to be hype, I guess. Yeah. And that's Andre Salas talking about Seeds of the City. And that's coming to Fiesta 125, which is going to be at the Vancouver International Film Center, the Van City Theater, that is, which is 1181 Seymour Street. And tickets to that are $10. That's on September the 4th. Uh, also related to V-Laugh is the opening film. It's called The Man Next Door, and that's starting on Thursday, September the 1st. Tickets to that are $15 with a $2 membership, and that's happening at Granville 7 Cinemas, which is 855 Granville Street uh, between Robson and Smythe. Uh, you can get more information on the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival at vlaff.org, so V-L-A-F-F. Org, and there you can get film listings and locations, and you can purchase tickets there online. Uh, tickets are also available at the door, but getting them online is a good idea. So check them out online at feelaf.org. Okay, 
we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll talk about Vogueville uh, Presents, which is a new webisode uh, series starting next Tuesday. So stay with us. Become a friend of CITR and receive great discounts at businesses around Vancouver. Your friends of CITR card will get you discounts on Main Street at Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Woo Vintage, The Kiss Store, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, Red Cat Records, The Regional Assembly of Text, RX Comics, Temple of the Modern Girl, Flaming Angels Boutique, and The Wallflower Modern Diner. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or visit us online at citr.ca. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and we're streaming online at citr.ca. So a few months ago, Jonathan Fluvog put on a festival of local music called the Day and Night Festival, and that was a huge success. And now he's putting together a new project called Vogueville Presents. And the one that's coming up on September the 6th, that's launching on the web, is for the band The Matinee. And so this is an exciting new project to highlight um, new up-and-coming bands that you should pay attention to. And the first one is The Matinee. So I talked to uh, Matt uh, Lazel from The Matinee, and I caught him up in the interior of BC, where he's at uh, the Peak Performance Project Boot Camp. So uh, that was exciting. So I managed to, to snag a conversation. He, I, th- I think he said that he had to climb uh, a hill, um, the tallest hill in town, to be able to, to get two bars on his cell phone to talk to me. So there, there might be a few little um, bumps in this interview, but, um, but I'm just grateful we managed to, to talk to him. And, um, it's, uh, an interesting band, the matinee, if for no other reason than the amount of philanthropy they do, um, which is kind of, uh, astonishing. They're, they're fundraising for the Coquitlam Animal Shelter because the, uh, a lot of the band members are from Coquitlam. And, um, as you'll hear in the interview, they also, uh, have played, um, music in a jail um, as, a, as a sort of charity project. So we'll hear about that. But first, uh, we want to find out um, how the matinee uh, got connected to Jonathan Fluvog. Yeah, it's, it's an honor, first off, that um, Jonathan Fluvog chose us to be the, the feature band, I guess, to kick this off. Um, we, we've recorded uh, a few times in, in Bogville, in the studio there. So we were familiar with the, the studio and actually the producer um, that that Jonathan wanted to use, Paul Chateau. We'd worked with him before as well. But I guess um, when it came time for him to, to make the choice of who he was working with, he, he wanted to have the confidence that he had a band that um, was you know, going to deliver in the studio in the time frame that they're working with and, and be comfortable with the, that setting and the producer. So I, so I, mean, I say it's an honor that he, he chose us because obviously he gives us that confidence. Um, so he, he called us up and said, I want to feature a band that I think is is doing the right things in the in the Vancouver scene and I want to highlight that as well as highlight my studio and what it offers and um, and we can work together to promote this and uh, and web series is something that he's I guess going to do on an ongoing basis selecting bands that, that he's taken note of and he wants to help them because he's really Jonathan has been nothing short of spectacular when it comes to helping out bands and uh, and showing them the way and he's been doing that with us for sure Hmm. And that's this is an extension of that, definitely. Now, you guys, uh, your band has uh, a lot of, or does a lot of uh, community outreach, for, for lack of a better term. You guys are supporting yeah. the Coquitlam Animal Shelter, is that right? That's right, that's right. Um, yeah, in the past, we've been involved with various uh, non-profit organizations and charities. Um, and for this uh, peak performance project, uh, one of is uh, that they gave us was to pair ourselves up with uh, a charity or a nonprofit of some sort. So, and we had a few that we've worked with in the past, but one that really kind of uh, 
struck home and we felt we could really help them out was the, the Coquitlam Animal Shelter. Matt Rose, our, our guitarist and my songwriting partner, uh, he used to volunteer there. He's familiar with uh, their plight. And uh, so we, so in that regards, we have full access to going to the, the shelter and, and helping promote um, the shelter itself and run for them and hopefully find homes for them there so to do that we're doing our own uh, blogs and posts online um, we have a pet of the week a pet of the week that we're uh, promoting and trying to find homes for we're also doing some benefit shows where we're going to raise funds for for the shelter itself and we're also donating money from our merch sales through the course of the summer nice i'm um, really trying to help them yeah and i i understand you've also played in prisons is that true <laughs> it's it's uh and quite uh, quite an experience. We were actually that was when we were involved with the, the Species Schizophrenia's Reach Out program, and that is awareness program um, takes us through high schools and colleges, and, uh, and in this case, prisons, to talk about mental health uh, and mental health awareness and drug issues as well. Forming, I guess the they had us there to be the icebreaker and the the, the cool guys with tattoos to perform. <laughs> to also talk about uh, the issues. And it's something that was close to us as well because our, our bass player, um, he's he's out of with depression for uh, for most of his life and we've known him uh, through to, uh, you know, that, that battle. And so not only has it been a rewarding experience going um, to places like the prison and, and talking to the, the inmates about this, um, but it's also really helped our bass player. He's really come out of his shell and he's been able to, um, you know, deal with his issues and he, he's... Uh, Definitely, um, we've, we've seen changes in, in Mike as a result of that. Wow, that sounds great. Well, we've, yeah. we've quickly run out of time. Is there anything else you'd want to mention about your band or about Vogueville Presents? Yeah, um, we, uh, the launch for the, the video series is on That's when the video goes live on vogueville.com. And we'll also have links to that on our page, thematinemusic.com. And uh, and I'm excited. I think the the song turned out really well that was in the studio. Um, it's called Absence, and uh, and record that in one day. Um, so that was a lot of fun. There was a bit of pressure there, but we, we got it done. And uh, I'm excited for for the release of that. It's definitely yeah, like I say, it's a it's a great video. They did a, a great job, and it's in, um has been a huge uh, patriarch to uh, the Vancouver scene. So it's it's an honor to uh, to be involved in this. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, Ab. And that's Matt Lazel from the Matinee. I think I might have said Fluvog Presents there. It's Vogueville Presents. Vogueville Presents. And that's going to be available at vogueville.com when it launches. And to be, to be specific, it's an online video series which combines interview footage with an inside-the-studio experience of recording a single. And the single Absinthe is, is uh, what they'll do. So uh, let's put on a... A little bit of um, the matinee now, and uh, we'll listen to this for a little bit. Oh, there it is. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk fringe. So stay with us. Loving kind of she sings a sad, sad song. Every man has done her wrong. Love is blind, says Yeah. 
Bed Bath and Beyond, HP and Apple computers at student pricing, and rental books at your UBC bookstore. Rental saves you 55%. Win a term's worth of rental books, a Norco Kathmandu bicycle, or a dorm room supply set. Details in store or check the new website bookstore.ubc.ca. And we're back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and online at citr.ca. I am Adam Janusz, and apparently I need the retraining because uh, after two months of being away from the studio, actually it's more like three, that's right. Uh, basically since June, no, 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 I was here in June. Okay, fine. Two months, after two months, um, I've forgotten how uh, radio buttons work and what they do. So... Anyway, before somebody comes in here and kicks me out, uh, let me tell you about Martin Dockery. Martin Dockery is a fringe regular across North America and has been for many years. This year, he's bringing three shows, three, to the Vancouver Fringe. The surprise is about his real-life experience of discovering a family secret. And that one was just held over at the Edmonton Fringe. Meanwhile, his second show, Oh, That Wily Snake, is both old and quite novel for him. Old because it's one of the first plays he ever wrote, but new because Oh, That Wily Snake is a two-person play. Uh, you see, he's, been, he's become quite known for doing solo shows, and the two other shows that he's bringing, for example, uh, The Surprise and The Holy Land Tour, are solos. So I wanted to ask him about that and what that's like, sharing the stage with another person. But first, I wondered if, if doing multiple shows at once isn't as daunting as it might seem. Because, you know, at first it does seem kind of, well, crazy. But you know how people say that getting a second dog when you already have one it isn't, isn't as hard as you think because, you know, you're already buying dog food, you already have a relationship with a vet... And um, they say that a second dog kind of helps take care of the first or, or you know, keeps the first uh, busy. So, so it's actually not as bad as it's not quite doubling the, the, the difficulty. So I wondered, as crazy as this sounds, if maybe having three plays at the fringe is like having three dogs. Yeah, I mean, it is like that. It, you know, uh, you just, you know, it's, it's twice as much poop to pick up, that's for <laughs> sure, right? But then, uh, but then it's twice as much love when, you, when they come home. And, and yeah, it's like, right, I'm already here, I've already traveled here, already, I've already done all, all that and, and spent all the, the money that's needed to get here. And, and so, um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy enough to do a second show. I mean, there's so many tedious things that need to be done for all these fringe festivals. I mean, I'm traveling for six months doing fringe festivals this year. Uh, and so there's lots and lots of forms that each festival requires and images and, and whatever sort of thing. So that's twice as much sort of tedious things, but the actual being at the festival and actually doing the show is totally, totally exciting and uh, thrilling. And it does not require any extra work really. Yeah. You know? And I imagine, um, I imagine it kind of, um, maybe one play sort of helps inspire the other. Like, you'll, you know, you get ideas from doing one performance that you can kind of incorporate into the other. Does that happen too? Well, I mean, what, what's sort of exciting is that they're, they're two completely different things. Like, right. one is a solo show where I'm telling a story directly to the audience. And then the other is a two-person play where that whole, you know, fourth wall is erect, 
disconnected between us. And so I'm just looking at another actor in the eyes and responding to what she's doing on stage. And, and we are in a completely invented world, fantastical world. And so they're completely different and they are different experiences for me and, and also for the audience. And so that's, that's pretty fun too. I mean, I, I, really get excited to do both. I think it's a little bit probably like um, somebody that has like, I've never had two wives, but I imagine it would be like that. You know, you're, you're, the fact that you've got two makes you really constantly excited to be with each one. It never gets old. Like, you know, you're always, each time it's like, oh, right. Yeah, I get to be with this one for a while again. And all oh, right, I get to be with this one again. Oh, I get to be with this one again. Wow. I mean, it's really, this whole fringe tour is, is really just, it's like an advertisement for polygamy when it comes to <laughs> doing theater and plays. Uh, I, I'm a great polygamist in the theater. <laughs> and um, and speaking of, uh, of of marriage and and partnerships, um, how's it been doing a, a two person play? Am I am I wrong to say that that you you usually do solo works or your main sort yeah. of thing is solo work? So so what's that been like? Has that been a challenge to be like oh oh my god, there's another person on this stage? Well, what's, what's, a, what's interesting is like having to actually memorize the script, right. you know, because when I'm doing the, the solo shows there, I don't ever write them down. So they, they, uh, they stay fluid and conversational and, and there's no exact lines that I have to say. I can, you know, I'm, I'm not making it up as I go along, but it is, it is kind of, it's just not married to words on a page. I'm, I'm sort of going with the flow of the moment. But obviously, when there's someone else on stage who has cues and I have cues, like I have to actually memorize words, and that that proved a little bit difficult. You know, I'm not used to having to like really stay true to a to a script. Even though I wrote the script, I still, you know, resented the fact that I had to actually say the words that were on it. But um, but this play is actually I wrote it uh, quite a while ago. I went to um, Columbia University in New York, and I went I got an MFA in playwriting. So this play was my, like my graduate, like thesis play. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I wrote it like 17 years ago. And, and so it's been sitting there, you know, I, I did it for, um, I did it 17 years ago for like a long weekend and now it's been sitting in the proverbial drawer. Yeah. And so taking out now it's, it's, it's like, and, and playing the same role. It's like, uh, going back to what I originally was doing, which was playwriting, way before I had any idea of ever doing solo shows. So, as opposed to like it being a new thing, it's actually like an, a, quite an old thing. Being in a play and, and writing a play and doing a play, and this play particularly being, uh, you know, from from good, goodness gracious, the twentieth century, you know, and uh, and so it's though it's kind of like a new thing now since I've been doing these solo shows for a number of years. It's. Uh, it's a, it's a strange sort of throwback into where my head was 17 years ago. Yeah. And, and, and in terms and of the, the shelf life, uh, d did you find that the play <clears throat> held up well from between centuries? Yeah, yeah. I think it held up quite well between centuries. You know, it's, um, it's a completely fantastical play about a guy who's trying to get a girl onto his flying bed. And... <laughs> You know, and, and in so doing, tells uh, this metaphorical story um, about the nature of seduction and temptation and, and promises that one has vowed to keep to, to, to anybody, to a fiancé, to anybody. And so it's, um, it's a completely different sort of work than what I'm doing now, which is just directly telling true autobiographical stories straight to the audience without there being any artifice or being any, any, you know, the stories that I'm telling are very easy to get. Like there's, like I'm, there's nothing to get. Like I'm just telling you what they are, you know, and, and it's fun and the stories are fun and the stories are fun, but there's no, there's no, uh, one does not need to interpret them. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> the play is, 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 a, is a more challenging work as an audience member and as a performer too, even because you are, you're trying to communicate something, and as an audience member, you're receiving something that's told through a certain amount of, you know, veils. Yeah. It's not directly and clearly told. So I, <clears throat> I find them both completely different and, and, and fun experiences, I think, both to perform and, uh, and to experience them as an audience member. Hmm. Martin Dockery speaking there. And, man, I love talking to Martin Dockery because, as you heard, he's so, like, eloquent but still 
simple spoken like <laughs> oh i just called martin dockery simple that's just great but uh plain spoken that's what i'm looking for he's you know he he he's very conversational but he's got these incredible ideas and i'm happy to say that uh the interview that i did with him was actually much much longer than what you heard there but um no fear because uh another piece of that interview uh, became Episode one of This Fringy Life, which is a podcast series that we here at The Arts Report are making for the Vancouver Fringe, um, examining the stories behind the 2011 Vancouver International Fringe Festival. And the first episode is called Surrender, and it's based on the theme of this year's Fringe, which is Surrender to the Fringe. So we want to play that first episode for you a little bit uh, later in the show, and you'll get to hear Martin Dockery again talk more about uh, this show the surprise, which involves his uh, father, and obviously we, he he can't say what the surprise is, but it's basically it involves a, a big secret or a lie that uh, that his father's been keeping, and uh, and basically the sort of emotional roller coaster that it sends uh, Martin on, and so he he talks about how that show actually relates really well to the theme of surrender. So stay tuned for that, and uh, yeah, we'll play that later, and we'll tell you where you can find these lovely episodes and, and when there will be more of them. Actually, Martin Dockery shows up in another episode that's coming up soon called, uh, or on religion. So he's all over the place, and, uh, and he's great. I love it. Uh, his two shows, uh, the, the, I'm looking at the program right now, the Fringe program, and side by side is The Surprise and Oh That Wily Snake, and you can find out by looking in this, um, this program, find out when the show times are. They alternate, by the way. Uh, the Surprise, for example, is on Thursday, September the 8th at 5 p.m., while Oh That Wily Snake is on Friday, September 9th at 10.45 p.m. So that's how he does it. He doesn't do all three shows, one back to back to back. He does them on alternating days, which seems perfectly sensible. Um, yeah, so check out the program. You can get them at Blends, or you can get them at VancouverFringe.com, and you can actually like read the program. It's it, like the pages flip, and it looks exactly like it does um, in paper form, so it's kind of fun. So check that out at VancouverFringe.com. Alrighty, I do want to tell you about a band called Pigeon Park, who um, kind of ironically recorded uh, our Arts Report theme song that you did not hear. <laughs> they recorded the original uh, Arts Report theme song that has now been covered by the UBC Acapella Club that you heard at the top of today's show. But the acapella version is based on uh, an original that the that Pigeon Park did. Basically, in about 10 minutes, basically on the spot. They, they came in uh, last fall for an interview, and um, I said to them, hey, if I give you 10 minutes, can you guys make a theme song for me? <laughs> and they were like, uh, sure. So uh, I left them alone in, in the studio, and uh, sure enough, within minutes, they had an amazing um, tune that, uh, that we've been using, that we used for, for really the, the whole year. And now... Um, I don't want to say we replaced it. We've just uh, tweaked it. The, the UBC Acapella Club has, has paid homage to the Pigeon Park theme. So anyway, the reason I bring them up is not just because they're great and they made our theme song, but because they're playing a show on Saturday, September the 3rd. And uh, that's coming to the Media Club. And that begins at 8 p.m. And it's $10. And it will feature... By the way, it's called the Pigeon Park Homecoming... Pigeon Park Tour homecoming show there it is with uh fellow bands free city collective and the grand and uh, basically they're celebrating a 10,000 kilometer tour across uh canada and now they're back home and they they want to celebrate so it seems like a good occasion to me you can find them on facebook just write pigeon park in facebook or you can find them online on their myspace page at myspace.com slash Pigeon Park Band. And if you go to MySpace slash Pigeon Park Band, you can also listen to this song, which is called Under the Sun. Which is coming right now. Any second. Now. Bear with me, folks. I've been away for two months. 
Is this not going to play for me? Mm, well, that's embarrassing. Uh, in that case, we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll hear a song from Pigeon Park. So stay with us. Visit the UBC Bookstore's new website at bookstore.ubc.ca. Get your course materials online, rental, used, and new. Rental saves you 55%. You can win a term's worth of rentals on the website and order stationery, clothes, and more while you're at it. Bookstore.ubc.ca. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at citr.ca. If you've missed any portion of our show today, you can get the you can get the podcast in about uh, oh I'd say an hour or so, maybe two hours, and that's available on iTunes. All you have to do is write CITR Arts Report. Or you can go to our website, which is citr.ca, and just follow the links to the podcast. There's a there's a button, there's a tab, and it's called uh, Shows, Podcasts, etc., etc. You can find us under A for Arts Report. That's, that's another way. If you also go to citr.ca, you can get info on all the features that we've had on today's show and find all the links. So that's uh, Vogueville Presents and the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival and uh, the Vancouver Fringe. You can find info on all of those. So I'm on the uh, MySpace page for Pigeon Park, and I'm trying to play this dang song, and it ain't working. So I'm going to try one more time. Here we go. Nope. Nope, that is not going to happen. Well, that's a shame. Uh, in that case, we'll have to skip ahead. That's sad. I'm going to try to find that. I'm going to try to fix that. But uh, in the meantime, I will play for you our uh, very first episode of This Fringy Life 2011. Now, we did This Fringy Life last year, but this year we've taken a different approach. We've gone with the sort of thematic documentary style, which is very exciting. And the first episode focuses on the Fringe theme, which is Surrender to the Fringe. So we talked to um, David Jordan, who is the executive director on the f- of the Fringe, and several artists, including, yes, the fabulous Martin Dockery. And we asked them, when they thought of the word uh, surrender, what, what came to mind. So uh, without further ado, here is the entire uncut first episode of This Fringy Life 2011 called Surrender. This Fringy Life is brought to you by the Vancouver International Fringe Festival and the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Find them online at citr.ca. For more info on the Fringe, go to vancouverfringe.com. If you open up this year's Fringe Guide to page 4, you'll see a photo of David Jordan, the festival's executive director, holding up a white flag. And there you can read his explanation of this year's theme, Surrender to the Fringe. In the guide, he writes, We surrender in moments when we accept our fate. Our need to surrender in this way is everywhere in our lives, he writes. It is the reason some go to church, others to nature, and of course, to the arts. In these moments, we want there to be a higher power, for someone else to take control of our lives, if only for a short time. Often people come to the fringe because they're being dragged along by somebody else. You know, come to the fringe, you know, um, and you don't know what you're going to see. Um, so I think in uh, in some ways you do have to surrender. You have to surrender to the idea that who knows what will happen there. It might be good, it might not be, but you should you should really just give it a try. 
people don't want they don't want to go to the theater and be bored mm-hmm. um, and so that extra element of risk is actually what everyone wants but we tend to want it with a safety net right because we're like I don't have so much time I, 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 you know so we, we we tend to have you know theater with a safety net instead um, so this is really um, it just it's it's just more it's more live and that's what people want is an experience that um where they're where they're a little bit not in control i'm adam janusz and you're listening to this fringy life a collaboration between the vancouver international fringe festival and the arts report on citr 101.9 fm and on this episode we're talking about surrender You heard David Jordan there talking about surrendering as an audience member, but what about surrender from the point of view of the artist? It gives people the opportunity to, yeah, take risks, to surrender to what they want to do, which I think in life can be a really hard thing, and especially as an artist, like (laughs) admitting that you want to do theater and like want to put time and money into doing theater, it's a, it's a huge risk. But, yeah, the Fringe is an opportunity to surrender to those desires and impulses. That's Indu Iyer talking about surrender from an actor's point of view. She's working on a play called The Other Side, an Alice in Wonderland-type show coming to the water park at Granville Island about a woman who gets transported into another dimension, played by Vanessa Bliss. Her character, Adele, has to find a way to come to terms with her situation. She has a conversation with one of the um, one of the characters from uh, the other side, and he basically tells her, you know what, a lot of stuff has happened. There's a lot of crap that happens. Not all of it is real, but this is real, and this is real, and this is real, and you need to understand that. And um, in him, it's kind of like putting it out there for her and explaining it to her in like one, two, three, this is what's happening and this is what's real, she actually ends up getting it and sort of changes her perspective from that point on where she says, okay, yeah, some of this stuff is crap, but some of this stuff is real and I need to pay attention to this stuff. And how does that, and how does that feel, that, that moment for, for your character, Vanessa? It's actually, it's quite powerful because um, she's sort of changing, changing who she is in a way because she's, she, before this point, she's very resistant to other people and everything has always sort of been about me, me, me. And at that point it changes and it becomes about other people and that's new for her. Martin Dockery's The Surprise coming to the Waterfront Theatre also involves a powerful moment of surrender, except it happens not simply for a fictional character in a play, but it was something that happened to Martin himself. The play recounts his real-life experience of finding out a huge secret from his father. It's a story about going to the other side of the planet to visit my father who lives in Saigon and a big sort of lie that that I discover there, a big secret. And then when it's revealed, he he feels no need to explain himself or to or to take into account what the effects of that secret might be on me. And uh, I think the show is it's pretty much about having to, you know, whenever anybody has in our opinions done us wrong we want some big apology we want some big moment of of understanding on their part about how they've made us feel and when that moment obviously is never going to come how do you how do you move forward you and, and in this instance i think the show is about surrendering the desire for some um apology or which is to say capitulation on my father's part right and just in on my own part deciding to have to figure out how to let it go, how to surrender myself uh, and, and just accept. And, and if I want to preserve this relationship and he doesn't seem interested in capitulating in the form of an apology, then, then it's up to me to sort of surrender myself to, to, the, to the reality of, of what he's been lying about. Right. And that must be a difficult moment because there's it's sort of a reversal isn't it you want him to surrender and and give in and just give you what you want and 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 speak and then you realize you're the one who has to surrender to sort of find a solution yeah i mean it's 
it's that thing whenever, whenever anybody has done us wrong in, in our minds and they don't seem to care or, or realize or whatever, you either can like hold out forever for some sort of acknowledgement or an apology or you have to figure out how to let it go and how to just in effect surrender and, and say, okay, I, I give up, I'm not... I'm not going to wait for, I'm not, you don't have to apologize to me. And what comes from that? Because I, I think there's an association with surrender that it's a, it's a loss, that it's um, a failure of some kind. But it, it's almost like you're saying that by, by letting go of that, there is a sort of, there's a sort of victory in the end. I mean, there, in this instance, yeah, because it, to me, I want to, the relationship is more important for me than, than not, you know, maintaining yeah. a relationship with my father is, 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 is just more important than, than, right. than whatever, than what, yeah, than being right, yeah. than whatever I'm, whatever offense I'm feeling. And, uh, I think we all, all have to figure that out, whether it's our parents or, or friends or whomever, you know, how do you, when somebody's hurt you and, uh, they don't seem to, to recognize that you either you, I mean, I think there's a certain power in uh, in deciding that you are going to be the one who's going to make the decision to move to preserve this and move forward, and you know, and just uh, and let it go. Because if you don't let it go, you know, like you're you're basically just waiting the whole rest of your life, and and you have that you know you have that that dark spot, that anger, that hurt yeah. there forever. And I would be waiting forever for my father to apologize while. Well, what I wouldn't talk to him, and and I would feel angry, and I'd feel hurt, and in the end, it would it would hurt me more to wait for some sort of apology to assuage the pain of that particular hurt yeah. than it would if I just let it go and and just swallow that particular uh, offense, that particular pain. And in doing so, it's almost like you're saying that there's a certain kind of empowerment that ironically, even though you're the one surrendering, you're the one giving in, you are making that choice willingly. You're, you're, you're making that decision that, that I am doing this for, for something greater. Yeah, I, I feel like that's true. Huh. You know, I, for whatever reason, whenever someone's done us wrong, they don't seem to care or they just don't seem to recognize it. You know, it's a it's a failure on their part, and and of course we all want the people that have failed us to know that they've failed us because that just makes us feel better. <laughs> but but I, you know, letting go is just acknowledging that my dad may not even even as probable as it may seem in the particular instance of this story that it, that he how could he not know he's failed me? Me, I know that like I am being the. The, the better, stronger person by just accepting his failures and his weaknesses, but loving him anyway. I guess surrendering is a part of any healthy, fulfilling relationship, whether it's family, a romantic partnership, or a theater festival. You have to surrender a little to get something bigger, better. Cameron Moore from the show Phone Whore, featuring her real-life trials and tribulations as a phone sex operator. Maybe she can make this point better than I can. When you hear the words surrender, what, uh, what, what do you think of? Um, I think of a few things. <laughs> I think of, um, from a purely personal point of view, when you're, when you're, when you're, when I'm with someone sexually, it's like surrendering to to that, the power of the moment and like going where that leads. Mm -hmm. And that has led me to some really awesome self-discoveries. So I always think of surrender, not in the sense of like, give it up, give it up to the pirate who's boarded your ship, you know, right. like uh, give up and lay down your arms and, you know, like yeah. the, the negative connotations of surrender. Yeah. I think of it as um, surrendering, pulling down the wall and letting it in. So kind of opening you know? up, letting your guard down yeah. to to yeah, letting the guard down. Yeah, yeah, that's a strong that's a strong kind of connection for me. And in a larger sense, I it's not just personal, but uh, well, it is still personal, but it's not just sexual. Um, in terms of 
surrendering and opening myself to opportunities as they come along. You know, if I had not just kind of um, uh, opened myself to fringe performance, for example, or thrown myself into the fringe tour last year, the seven fringes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've got a little thing hanging from my car that's like, uh, it's uh, live your bliss, mm-hmm. you know? as a little medallion hanging from my rearview mirror, live your bliss. And, and like, you have to be open to those possibilities in order for them to work at all, you know? And so I think for my life, surrendering to those possibilities has swept me along to places where I had no idea that I would end up, you know? Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I have really positive associations with surrender. Thanks for listening to This Fringy Life, telling the stories behind the 2011 Vancouver International Fringe Festival, September 8th to the 18th. Join us for more episodes throughout September, and don't miss the Arts Report, Vancouver's weekly fix of arts and culture, news and interviews, every Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM. Well, there you have it. What did you think? It's this fringy life, and uh, we're very excited to present that to you in partnership with the the Vancouver Fringe uh, Festival. And um, yeah, we're we're very we're very happy to be doing this. Uh, have I made that point clear yet? Um, we're having a bash, and um, we have two other sorry one other episode up right now, and that one is called Jimmy. So that's episode two, Jimmy, and it uh, tells the story of uh, Jimmy Cameron, who is sort of the face of the fringe. If you look at the program guide or the website, you will see this mustachioed, uh, round-faced man. This cartoon. It's a cartoon. (laughs) It's not a real person. Uh, Yeah, and uh, it's this cartoon with a mustache and... um, and he's been sort of a fixture of of the look of the fringe since 2008. And so if you've seen the programs since 2008, you might be thinking, like, what's the deal with this guy? Where did he come from? What's his story? Why do they keep bringing him back? And why is he wearing this funny hat? Or why is he naked? What's going on? Um, so if you want answers to those questions, you can listen to uh, episode two of This Fringy Life. And it's called Jimmy. So how do you find these episodes? Well... The easiest way right now is to go to YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and into the search, type in This Fringy Life. It's as easy as that. And you'll see a white little screen with, um, with a little logo, if you will, a little square of words. And it says This Fringy Life on CITR. And it's this little column of words. Um, and just click on it. And you'll find both of our episodes right there. It's super easy. So if you enjoyed episode one, you will love episode two. So get online right now and check it out. All right. And we will bring you more episodes of This Fringy Life uh, as we get closer to the fringe. As I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, we've got episode three uh, being put together as we speak, sort of like a Frankenstein. It's being uh, assembled as we speak. And uh, that one is called Religion. And it's uh, it's very interesting because um, like any good fringe festival, um, a fringe festival should have a good mix of um, sex, um, religion, and what else? Drugs, maybe? I don't know. Well, it's the fringe, right? So it's got to have a lot of, um, of on-the-fringe content or, or themes, Themes of things that might not be talked about at the dinner table, but is talked about in the fringe of the house, which is maybe the roof or something. But anyway, so the next one is called uh, Religion, and we talk to fringe artists um, on that theme and uh, learn about uh, following Jesus, following the footsteps of Jesus, or in the case of one artist, um, believing that um, a man in Montana is Jesus and having survived that. So anyway, it's it's very interesting and that'll be up that'll be up very soon. So keep your eyes peeled on YouTube for this fringy life 2011 episode 3 religion. All right, we're nearing oh, we are at the end of our show. How did that happen? It's 6:01. Well, we've run out of time. Um all right, but before we go, I'm going to dare to play a Pigeon Park song for the third time and this time I'm using uh I'm on myspace.com/pigeonparkband, but this time I'm using Firefox. So I'm hoping to have better luck. Here goes.
Okay, so that didn't work. Uh, and that's, that's a shame. <laughs> I'm really sad about that. I tried so hard. I tried. So go, just go yourself. Please go to Pigeon Park Band, myspace.com slash Pigeon Park Band. And uh, the song that I really wanted to play for you is called Under the Sun. And um, it's got the most plays on their MySpace page, a little um, music player. And, I mean, it works on my laptop, but I can't really put the microphone to the laptop. That sound quality will not be good. So it'll probably work on your computer. It's just our stinking piece of, I mean, lovely machine in the studio that, that isn't working. So that's all. All right. So I'm going to sign off for uh, sign off for the Arts Report now. It's, um, it's great to be back on air. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting things coming up for you on the Arts Report this season. We're going to be at the Vancouver Fringe. We're going to be there live. We may or may not show up to the Fringe to Granville Island dressed as pirates. Um, that has not yet been confirmed. It is a rumor. It is a wild speculation, and you have no right to to repeat it, but I might be dressed as a pirate at the Vancouver Fringe this year, so keep an eye out for me. Um, so yeah, we'll be, we, we're going to do a live thing from the Fringe. We're going to talk to tons of 